Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. We're starting in Psalm 120. I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to welcome my hot husband up to bring us the word. Psalm 120, starting in verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from my lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Mm. So I'll invite Billy Glosson up here. That is my hot husband, if you didn't know. I'm going to pray for him. (sighs) Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you build churches, that you sent your son to die for us, that the joy of Easter can still ring true in our hearts all throughout the year. Lord, I just ask that you be with us and that you be with Billy, that you would hide him behind the shadow of the cross, that it would be so clear what you are to speak through him, that our hearts would be soft and that our ears would be open. Lord, and that you would save many from the kingdom of darkness and you would deliver them into your marvelous light that we would believe with every fiber of our being how good, right, and true you are. Please be glorified, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So again, yes, today is Church Planning Sunday, and we are a part of Acts 29 uh, Church Planning Network. It has been a blessing and a privilege to be a part of that network. We were able to, while we were at uh, the conference that Michael mentioned earlier, connect with several of our brothers uh, around the country. Um, We have Acts 29 churches here in western North Carolina. Um, They're our friends. We love them. They care for us. They've helped us to get started, and we want to see God do more and abundantly more so. So we're praying for different places and spaces where we could see new churches being planted, and so that is exciting. Well, like so many of you, um, I used to go on road trips all the time as a kid. Now, I don't know if you like road trips or not. Maybe you hate them and dread them. I love them. I always found them very fun and exciting. There was this wanderlust that captured me as I would travel across and you see the change in landscape. Every year, we used to drive from here to the coast and even just driving across the state of North Carolina, you see such a dramatic shift from the mountains to the Piedmont to the coastal plains. Now, if you're like me and you go on a road trip, there's one thing that matters more than anything else and that is, what are you gonna listen to, right? What are you gonna be vibing out to? What are you gonna be jamming to on the radio. Now for me, I queue up all these different things, albums, playlists, specific podcasts, especially for the long trips. Well, there was one trip in particular when I was back in college in Missouri. We were going to come home and visit. I was bringing some friends down here to North Carolina, and we were on our way to North Carolina, and we realized, man, we need to figure out what we're going to listen to. 
And uh, we all, I had an iPod shuffle. You guys remember that? Yeah, let me date myself a little bit here. I had an iPod shuffle, which only had about a gig of music. And so after, when you're doing 13 hours, it's like, you're going to, you know, it's not enough. So I had to figure something out. And my college roommate said, hey, man, I got it. I'm going to borrow my little sister's iPod. She had an 80-gig iPod with only about two gigs of music on it. So it was perfect. It was completely empty. So we just dumped all of my music onto it. Now, fast forward, I end up marrying that girl. That is Hannah. That's right. Hannah is uh, my college roommate's little sister. And so we're on a road trip to North Carolina. We're driving here to visit family, and I start playing some music, and she's like, how do you know this band? This is like the most obscure, like, indie band. How in the world could you possibly know it? I'm like, because all of your music is my music. That's how we both share this. And so now it's really fun because when we go out on road trips, when we're driving around, we don't usually get in arguments about music because we share such a similar taste for music. And yes, I know there's some, uh, you know, questionable morals in there about giving her, you know, a ton of free music. But such is our romance. Now today we're starting, (laughs) we're starting out on the Psalms of Ascent. And maybe you've never read the Psalms of Ascent. Maybe you've never realized what this is. Maybe it's a thing where you've looked at this before and been like, what does that word mean? What's happening here? The Psalms of Ascent essentially is an ancient road trip playlist. It is what it is. This is what's happening. There were three pilgrimage festivals that the ancient Jews would go to Jerusalem. And the thing is, whenever you're going anywhere from any part of the country to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have to go up because of the elevation. And so they would ascend to Jerusalem to worship God. And as they did, they would sing these psalms. So we have Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. These are songs that would be sung in worship. Scattered Jews from all over the world would gather together to celebrate, to sing, to worship. And as they did, these songs would stir their heart to long for a better and fairer country. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. These are the songs that Jesus sang. These are the songs that Jesus would have sung as he traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem with his family. And they're songs which now come to a deeper and richer fruition for you and for I as Christians. And we start right here in Psalm 120. Now, I got to admit, this is kind of a weird opening track for a playlist, right? This is like throwing dashboard confessional up top. It doesn't make any sense. You're like, pick the moodiest, angstiest, sad song you can think of and be like, that's how I want to start my trip. Because that's what happens here with the Psalms of Ascent. We get this really strange, peculiar psalm. You think it maybe be Psalm 121, what we're going to look at next week, which is, I lift my eyes to the hill Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, right? That's a beautiful, you probably got that on a coffee mug, right? That's exciting. But that's not what we read here. Instead, we see, woe to me, right? I dwell in Meshach and Kedar. You're like, what is is going on? But this psalm is rich. It's beautifully honest because it's a song about living in a fallen world. And it really sets in place the homesickness that we all feel for eternity. Because this psalm calls us to see that God has been faithful in the past and will be faithful now and in the future. God has been faithful in the past and will be faithful now and in the future. So let's walk through this psalm and let's see first the psalmist's assurance. Verse 1, 
In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. This is a beautiful confidence in the promises of God. We're going to get to the request in just a moment, but look at this. Right off the bat, this song starts with the psalmist crying out in soul dependence on God in their hour of distress. Let me just ask a question. Do you have that kind of confidence? Can you look back and see God's faithfulness? Do you look back and see his faithfulness? See, certainly the Jews on the road to Jerusalem could look back at the stories of old and see God's faithfulness and everything from parting the Red Sea to his provision and his protection through the ages. But what about you? We are in the shadow of Easter. Do we have God's faithfulness at the forefront of our minds? Do you know God's promises throughout his word? There was a group of college students, and uh, they were preparing for a test. And there were several students who sat in class and took extensive notes. They poured over the textbook so that when the test came, they could recall the material to mine. But sitting in the back of the class was a student who kind of half paid attention. He shows up to a study session with these other students and asks for their notes so that he can photocopy them, take a quick picture on his phone. And he's also like, hey, also, I've not actually bought the textbook, so could I borrow one of your guys' books? The test was coming, and he was going to be wildly unprepared. For many of us, that's how we live the Christian life. We count on the faith of others to carry us through. We have the words of life, living water offered to us every single day. We have access to the eternal God of the ages through his word. But we get just a sip on Sundays. Inevitably, suffering and trials come, and when they do, we all look for something, for some answers. But tragically, many of us do not know how to look back for assurance. We do not know the stories of old. We do not know the promises of God which are filled on the pages of Scripture. And so our song is not a worship song, but a somber, hopeless song. We need to be reminded again of the old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. But how quickly we can forget this assurance. How quickly we can forget this steadfast hope. In one of the classic Superman movies, right? You know what I'm talking about really, really dated ones. <laughs> There's a scene where Superman saves a man from a burning building, and he rescues him from the top floor, and he's carrying him to safety by flying through the skies. And as he does, the man looks up at Superman, and he says, I'm scared, Superman. Look how far down that is. And Superman gives him a great answer. He says, now if I delivered you from the burning fire, what makes you think I'm going to drop you when I'm carrying you to safety? Friends, if God has delivered you from a burning hell, what makes you think he will drop you before he puts you down safely? Yes, there are difficulties, there are hardships, but God works in our lives in the midst of those moments. Can you look back to that deliverance, to that moment of God's faithfulness? God promises rescue, not tranquility rescue. And that is just what the psalmist asks for. Let's see next his request, his prayer for help, to his prayer for help. Verse 2, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, 
from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Here's the problem. The psalmist is surrounded by liars and gossips. People who slander him. You ever experienced this before? Does this sound like your workplace? There's a group of pastors who would get together and they would share life with one another and, and they would often take time to encourage one another and confess sin. They were all talking about their various failures and, and one pastor said, well, you know, if I'm honest, sometimes I, I watch movies I really shouldn't be watching. And another pastor said, yeah, you know, I actually go to the casino and, and gamble. The other guy said, yeah, man, I, I actually... When I'm by myself, I smoke cigarettes. I probably go through a pack a day. The fourth pastor spoke up and said, well, my sin, guys, is gossip. And I can't wait to get out of here, right? (laughs) Have you ever had someone share something that you told them in secret and then it got out? Or worse, has someone lied about you, spread rumors about you? How does it make you feel? It's infuriating, right? It's violating. Well, how does the psalmist feel about it? Not too good, right? We read, we see what he says as a warrior sharp arrows. He wants to shoot the liars, okay? He does not feel happy about this. So what does the scripture say about lying and deception? Well, Proverbs 26 tells us this. Proverbs 26, verse 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking, Hey, just as a, a, an aside, right? If you find yourself often saying, just relax, it was a joke. Scripture's pretty clear. Deceit, friends, is destructive. The psalmist is crying out for justice. He's basically saying, God, give them what they've inflicted on me. They've brought arrows to my soul, right? Coals of a broom tree. This was a a shrub that grew that they would get a scalding hot fire from. That's what he wanted to be poured out on his enemies. Repay with them what they have inflicted on me. Let me just ask this as an aside. Do you struggle with lying? Friend, is there secret sin? Examine your heart and be honest. There is freedom in Christ, yes. But if you continue to have a loose and deceitful tongue, you are in danger. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 8. He says this concerning the devil. John 8, second part of verse 44. He says, he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The first time we ever hear anything from the enemy in Scripture, it's a lie. Did God really say? Friend, when you lie, when you're dishonest, when you're deceptive, you are speaking the native tongue of evil. Today is a day to tell the truth. Maybe you're reeling from the lies that were told about you or to you. Maybe you look back and you say, this person was deceptive, they hurt me. If that's you, then you can echo the cry for justice that the psalmist cries out. 
it's been said that silence towards those who slander us and prayer to God are often the best weapons that we wield. Silence towards those who slander us and prayer to God. Y'all, that's the best weapon we can wield. And that's hard because usually we have a lot of things that we would like to do and they don't involve silence and they don't involve prayer unless they're imprecatory, like break his teeth, God. What a grace to know that we can go to someone who understands injustice in deep and profound ways. I mean, you guys have heard the old adage, don't wrestle with pigs. You've never heard it before. Don't wrestle with pigs because all that happens is you get dirty and the pig enjoys it. Don't play the same game as the gossips. Don't get involved and be like, well, they said a lie about me. I'm going to go and lie about them. No, don't do that. Let your warfare be on your knees. Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, when cries to man would be our weakness, cries to God will be our strength. Friend, God is the arbiter of justice. Come before him with honesty, pleading for him to move. Do this with confidence, knowing that he is a faithful God. He will work in power. Finally, we see the psalmist is honest about how hard all of this is. We see him lament, third lament. Look at verse five. Woe to me. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I made my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. To lament, friends, is uniquely Christian. What, what lament is, is expressing a passionate sorrow. We have this kind of mentality that says, you know, tough it up. You're a man. Get over it. Try harder, work harder. Well, you know who was the real man? Jesus Christ, the God-man. And you know what he did in the garden? He lamented. Do you know what he did when he saw Jerusalem broken and downcasted? He lamented. You want to be a man? Don't bottle up all of your emotions and your feelings. You want to be a good wife, a good mother, a good roommate, a good friend? Don't bottle up all of your emotions. Lay them out before the Lord. He knows how you feel. He understands your pain. He understands your worries. In our broken and fallen world, we have to lament because lament is a way in which we feel deeply the brokenness and wrongness of our world, but we don't just stay there. We end with the phrase, but God, because we know God is doing something, that he will right every wrong, but we have to press into that. Mark Rogop wrote a really helpful book. It's, it's on the resource rack. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And it's about this practice of lament, how to do that. He says this. He says, the normal Christian life is a fight to believe while doubt remains. The normal Christian life is a fight to believe while doubt remains. I mean, didn't we just see how Jesus welcomed Thomas last week? This psalm expresses confidence in the promises of God. That's where it starts. It starts with, 
I know that my God is faithful. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. But it also gives freedom to vent feelings of despair in the midst of present circumstances. Right? He says, woe to me. He says that he is a sojourner in Meshech and that he dwells among the tents of Kedar. To you and I, this might not mean that much. Right? If, you, if you don't know your ancient geography, this might seem a little odd, but it's actually really strange even if you do because Meshech was in Asia Minor and Kedar was way over in Arabia. How can you live in two different places at the same time? It's like saying, I live in Charlotte and Dallas. You're like, what? How? Like, simultaneously, you have two houses? It's confusing. What's happening is the psalmist is, again, using poetic language. He's highlighting two extremely violent places where barbarians lived. He's expressing that living in this fallen world is like living in these downtrodden places. It's this idea that he never truly belongs. That war and turmoil constantly surround him. It's a broken world where people at best just disappoint you. And he goes on to use intense language to describe how he feels about all of the slander and deceit. He says he feels like he is at war. And so he is. The violence in his soul is overwhelming. And so he weeps. Can I just ask you, friend, have you wept? I think too many of us are just at the point where we're numb. And just this past week, I talked to another friend about another business closing due to COVID. I heard stories of slander, of misunderstandings, and devolving online arguments that have split families and churches. In this kind of climate, I think we can echo what the psalmist says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. We can carry that kind of hurt. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Here's what I would tell you, friend. Not only has God been faithful in the past, not only will he be faithful now and in the future, but he understands our pain. See, Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who came in peace but experienced unparalleled hostility. Yet, here's the providence of God. The act of hostility that put Jesus Christ to death is the very means by which you and I, sinners naturally hostile to God, it's how we receive undeserved peace. Jesus says this. He says in John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Set your mind on those pilgrim travelers. Those who were scattered in various places who are traveling to Jerusalem. They're on the road to Zion. And they sing this song. It's not just a song for them. They feel it. They know that the world, it's not as it should be. But they had the faith to know that the God who was faithful in the past would be faithful again. And as this song leaves their lips, would it hit you in your soul to know that we too, friends, are pilgrims? 
We are strangers and sojourners living in a hostile land. They killed our Lord, but he has risen. And he has promised to be with us. And he gives us peace. And he is coming again. And when we experience trouble, we can sing with assurance knowing that he will right every wrong, that he will set peace in our hearts. Though our songs are presently tinged with lament, we are all marching towards that celestial city. And there our song will be worthy. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. We will sing loudly, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, came and dwelt among us. He lived a life without sin, something that none of us can say. He was tempted and tried in every way, yet remained sinless. And he marched willingly to the cross of Calvary, dying in our place for our sins, offering to us life and life eternal that he guarantees through his resurrection because death cannot hold the son of the living God. Believer, put this at the forefront of your mind. If God has been faithful in delivering Jesus from the grave, he will be faithful in delivering you from the woes and the worries that you live in right now. When you feel like all of life is at war, Know the peace that he brings to your heart. When people are deceptive and lying and slandering, knowing that Jesus Christ endured quite the same, if not far, far worse than anything we could ever imagine or fathom. And he meets us and he gives us a song to sing. And so we march on the journey, knowing that joy awaits us. And when the road gets bumpy, remember, God has been faithful. He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful now. And he will be faithful in the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and gracious. God, your mercy is unending. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would honor you in all we do, Lord, and all we say. That we would be a people who cling desperately to the hope of the gospel. Jesus, help us to sing honestly songs of lament but would our lament end in remembering Lord that you are the God who gives us assurance you are the God who answers our prayer Lord I pray for those who are reeling this week as they've heard more tragedy lives lost to violence I pray for those God who are coming back Lord who are looking at the last stretch of the semester with maybe not a lot of joy, but some doom and gloom in their heart. God, I pray that you would be the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I pray that we would keep the resurrection at the forefront of our mind, that we would rest, that we would trust, and that we would know that you are a faithful God, that you've been faithful in the past, and that you will be faithful now and in the future. pray all of this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website,
CorumDeoNC.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.